choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and whomsoever you may choose to identify as, welcome to the Daustronaut podcast. Thank you for joining me, your host, Ben Baldieri, on this journey to the edge of the blockchain universe where we will be exploring the uncharted expanses of the DAO space. DAOs or decentralized autonomous organizations are made possible through blockchain technology and will form the backbone of Web 3.0. DAOs represent the next frontier of human creativity, collaboration and potential and give us the opportunity to fundamentally reimagine how we organize, what we organize around and why we choose to do it. On this voyage, I will be interviewing the most exciting and innovative projects in the DAO space picking apart what exactly it is that they are up to, analyzing how they are going about it, and understanding why they too have embarked on this quest into the expanse. In doing this, and in you, my fellow DAOs, choosing to join me on this odyssey, we will learn just how revolutionary DAOs can and will be. These organizations and this way of organizing are going to change absolutely everything. And in choosing to join me on this adventure, you have secured your seat on the fastest rocket into the decentralized future. To say that I am excited about the promise that this future holds would be an absolute understatement. So let's all suit up, lay back and strap in for launch. One thing that I must insist that everybody remembers for the duration of this voyage is that nothing that is said on this podcast is financial advice. With that in mind, please sit back and enjoy the ride. Good evening, everyone, and thank you very much for joining me today. I am with Sam Joel, who is the founder of GiveTree, which is Australia's first NFT marketplace for good. Um, I'm really excited about this project. I think the the initiative and the ideas behind it are amazing. Um, but I'm not going to say too much because I don't really know what I'm talking about in this instance. So Sam, give me a give me a summary. What is GiveTree? Why are you doing it? Yeah, so GiveTree, it's it's Australia's first, as you said correctly, Australia's first uh, NFT marketplace for good. And what that actually means is that a percentage of every transaction goes to one of our impact partners. An impact partner could be a charity, um, or it could be a for-profit, for-purpose group, or it could be a DAO. Um, and so what we're trying to do is encourage people to start thinking about how they can use Web3 technologies such as NFTs and cryptocurrency 
to actually help make the world a better place. And I think that that's really what it's all about. And yeah, that's that's kind of it. Um, that's fantastic. The, yeah. I really appreciate that. I think the 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 collaborative aspects that that Web three is going to help bring about, and I mean, this is a fantastic example of that. Are are amazing, and they are going to be a, a really big core part of what the Web three future ends up looking like. But you mentioned like the there's a range of different um, impact partners. So it could be um, charities, it could be like a, a for profit group, or it could be like a DAO, for example. How do you go about selecting? Um, one of those impact partners like is there something that you specifically look for or is there is it more of kind of like an, an open approach yeah i mean at at the moment um i guess you know we looked at a lot of other nft marketplaces at the moment are having quite a lot of problems with like fraud for example like people are obviously uploading and selling things that are not theirs and creating nfts of, of items which don't belong to them and then selling them and this, this is a real problem. And so for us, we want to try and do our best initially um, and, you know, ongoing as well, um, of course. Um, but we want to try and do our best to solve that fraud problem. And so initially, it's really about just talking just like this, talking to people, understanding who they are, what their project's all about, what their organization's all about, what their DAO's all about, what their group is all about. Like, then understanding like sort of are they legitimate are they for real what what problems are they trying to solve like how are they trying to solve them and then if like if it seems like this is like a good fit then obviously then we set them up we prove them we set them up and then that will enable anybody who comes and uses the platform to to actually set a percentage um, when they're doing the royalties um, settings um, of their smart contracts when they're setting up their item or collection for sale um, they they're able to choose from our impact partners list and you know, they, they can set the percentage could be could be one percent, it could be ninety percent that goes to the impact partner. Um yeah, so that's the plan. <laughs> awesome. So this so it's the for the, the royalty fees specifically. So the the user of the NFT marketplace um set, has an item that they want to sell and then they have like a list that they can drop down and they can choose from. Is my understanding correct there? Yeah, yeah. So when when a user is setting up their item um, or their collection for sale, so there's there's a few ways it can work. So somebody can come to the platform; they already own an NFT, mm-hmm. and they can they can just you know sell that NFT on GiveTree. And when they're setting up the item, they just select the percentages. Um, like you know, I want this much to come to myself, and I'd like this much to go to the impact partner. Um, and it's the same if they're creating an item from scratch um, or a collection from scratch, like a brand new item. Um, in that case, if they're doing a brand new item, they'll they'll do the primary sale royalty setting, and then they'll also do the secondary sale royalties setting as well. Um, and so it's really interesting because it's got the potential to create recurring revenue streams for impact partners, which is a very new sort of concept in a lot of ways, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, um, as we were speaking about before we hit record, I'm involved with with GBI, and one of the the biggest issues that that we we will be facing, and that many other charities face, is this idea of being able to secure like some sort of recurring revenue. So, the the potential for having a recurring stream of revenue from a very novel source is really quite exciting. And I think that I mean, it's it's an amazing application of the tech i mean you look at OpenSea, the the amount of revenue that they are generating on a on a daily basis now um what would it be like if five percent ten percent whatever was going to 
two charity projects. So this is, I think it's, it's an amazing idea. Yeah, thanks. Exactly. Yeah, I think that um, there's there's an enormous potential here to really sort of, I guess, you know, you could look at it like this. Um, if the world has X number of problems and you need Y amount of resource to solve those problems, um, organized in a new way um, to be, you know, spent more effectively or applied more effectively, then at the moment we're not we're not doing that properly. And so what Web3 is doing is presenting an opportunity to think about how we can do that properly. So how can we how can we organize and allocate resources in a more effective way to solve all of these problems that people want to solve? And so you've got all of these great individuals and organizations starting to think about this stuff. So when people are creating DAOs, this is a great intent. This is like proper motivation to want to solve problems and they're thinking about how can we create this new structure and processes to solve these problems more effectively so what we want to do is get them more resources so that they can do those things and that's the plan <laughs> awesome awesome and so i mean it all comes down to to problem solving at the end of the day doesn't it um, yeah our vision what... statement give trees vision statement is solutions in our time and i think because fundamentally why people have traditionally donated, obviously some people donate for tax, um, but I think in my opinion, why people fundamentally donate to a charity um, is because they want to solve a problem. So GiveTree's vision statement is solutions in our time. And what, what I'm trying to do with that is inspire people to start thinking about not just solving problems temporarily, which is important, um, but also permanently solving problems. Like how do we fix a problem forever kind of thing? So that's, this is, yeah, this is the, the type of new thinking that I think Web3 is inspiring. Awesome. What do you think the, the biggest problem um, that Web3 is going to solve is? Oh my God, mate, uh, the broken money problem, definitely. Talk to me about the broken money problem. The broken money problem, oh my God. The broken money problem is, is, is so, in a nutshell, it's like you, you can't have a centralized financial system where you've got small groups of people who are able to just print more money and inflate inflate the money supply. This is a very bad idea. It's a very bad idea to have fiat money that's disconnected from, from an actual resource. Like this is a terrible idea. And I think we've seen just how detrimental that can be um, over time. I think that's pretty obvious now. Um, so I think the, the big thing that Web3 can solve, like blockchain, cryptocurrency, this sort of thing. The big thing it can, can solve is, is the broken money problem. And I think that there is a very large number of other problems that stem from the broken money problem that I think you'll see start to resolve over time. Uh, if you, you know, if, if, if we can, as a society, can solve this broken money problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the, what's the expression? Money is the root of all evil, or at least that's one half of the expression. And I, I mean, I, I agree, I mean, the, the the issues that we see at the moment around inequality um, at the same time as there being like a 30%, 40% increase in the amount of circulating cash at the same time as there being like the world's first $3 trillion company, which isn't really doing anything very different to, to what it was a couple of years ago. And yet it's increased in valuation by 50%. There's a lot going on here which doesn't necessarily make sense. And I, I'm not an economist. I, I don't fully understand how all of this stuff fits together. But yeah, I mean, having a small group of people who can just press print, that doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> it's just, it's, it doesn't sound like 
that's not that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's just not sustainable. It's just, it's just not the right thing to be doing. <laughs> that's not a good time. Oh, for sure, for sure. And so, like, in terms of your, in terms of the idea, then for Gibtree, um, because I mean, I've, I had a little look at your your bio and your LinkedIn, and you mentioned that Gibtree is relaunching as um, Australia's first NFT marketplace for good. If Gibtree is relaunching, what was the what was the kind of genesis? How did what was Gibtree doing initially? Yeah. Okay. So this is a pretty epic story, but uh, bear with me. So basically, I went um, in 2018. I had some personal stuff happen. Um, like my my dad passed away, and my mum did some strange things after that. My brother went back to hospital. They had all been living in Canberra. I was living in Sydney, which is in Australia, so it's about three hours apart. Canberra is the capital. Sydney is the biggest city. Um, so yeah, basically those things happened, and then about a month later, I, I hadn't gone through the grieving process properly and so i was reacting quite badly to it and i started drinking a lot and then i started using drugs and then within the space of i think um between sort of january 2018 and august 2018 i'd sort of spent all of my savings i'd lost my job i you know sold my car and spent that um i destroyed all of the relationships in my life i lost my lease and I'd actually become homeless by August 2018, which was just a bizarre, surreal situation. And I ended up living in an internet cafe for like 10 months. And uh, during that time, I was super, super reliant on just the support that local community groups was, were actually providing. Because uh, in New South Wales and Sydney, the government solution to homelessness is 28 days in a hotel. And then that's, you're on your own. You can apply for social housing, but that application process takes six months. So good luck with that. Uh, and then if you go into that social housing, you should see some of the places you go as well. Uh, it's not not uh, conducive to rehabilitation, let's just say. <laughs> uh, so basically lived in this internet cafe, was getting a lot of help from different charity groups, local community groups, this sort of thing. And I just created, initially, just created an idea for um, a, a charity directory. That's all it was. It was just a simple online charity directory that I sketched out one day in the internet cafe. I called it Charity Hub. And then it sort of evolved from there. The next sort of iteration of it was, well, what would happen if you could sort of donate money to those charities through the platform? And then and it sort of moved on to the next stage, which was kind of like, well, what would happen if you could donate anything? Like, what if you could fundraise? What if you could volunteer? And then, yeah, so I kind of kept exploring that. Um, there's this thing in Australia called superannuation, which is kind of like a forced retirement savings account. So 10% of your income goes into your superannuation account and you can access it when you turn 60. And so basically every day in the internet cafe, I was logging into my banking facility and I could see my superannuation, but I wasn't allowed to touch it. Like there was money there, but I couldn't use it, couldn't touch it, couldn't access it. And so the government here has this rule where if you can prove to Centrelink, which is like the welfare office, if you can prove to them that you're homeless, you can then access up to $10,000 of that for an emergency access. Um, so the criteria for accessing that was you have to have been on welfare for six months before they will believe you're homeless. And once you've been on welfare for six months, you're officially homeless, and then you can access up to 10 grand for emergency use. So in June 2019, I was officially homeless. Uh, <laughs> And I was accessed $6,000. I rented a room in North Bondi um, with this great, great woman called Lucy. She was like a godsend, super helpful. So that solved like the, um, the shelter problem. But the thing is, it's not enough to just give somebody a room after they've just been through a very...
and they're dealing with mental health issues and substance abuse, uh, substance abuse issues. So it's, you've got to solve multiple problems in parallel. And so for me, I was very much struggling with adjusting back to normal life after that. So I was still drinking, drinking like a lot, a lot, a lot. And yeah, so basically I moved from house, which is where I am now. I moved here in February, 2020. So that was roughly, so, so North Bondi, in June 2019, and then South Cronulla in February 2020. So that's roughly what eight months I spent living in North Bondi, struggling with mental health. Then I moved here to South Cronulla, and, and the April 2020. So two months after I moved here to South Cronulla, I had a brain seizure. And that's not a very healthy thing to do. That's not a good time. So I went to hospital for a week because I nearly died. My system, and then basically, it gave me an opportunity to get sober, and I've actually now been sober since then. Uh, so this is like twenty months sober now. Um, and after my job, and I started building new relationships and a better support network, and started going through the process of sort of dealing with all of the PTSD and trauma and all of the stuff that that sort of caused it and sort of you start to solve those problems over time and then yeah that's that same month that i got out of hospital that april 2020 period is when we started working with our first charity partners for the platform and since then i've actually spoken with over 80 different charities small charities large charities really large charities um and then i've looked at over 30 different types of donations so lots of different types of donations one of those types of donations is cryptocurrency and one of those other types of donations is nfts and so when i started going going pretty deep into cryptocurrency and nfts um for me these were the most types of donations already um it's a combination it's number one it's obviously it's something that they're not doing yet and that was exciting to me but number two, it was like, this is a new technology that is actually having the potential to be better than all of the other fundraising mechanisms combined. And that's interesting to me. It's got the highest growth curve. And so it's like, number three was like, oh, okay, so this is actually having the potential, like not just for people to sell and, and donate a percentage, but it's like the charities could actually do this themselves. They could be producing this themselves. This is a new new product they can produce. This is a new fundraising mechanism for them and a new way of fundraising from others, from third parties. So for me, I was like, oh, this is super interesting. And meeting people in the NFT community around the world. And I must have done over 200 meetings now over the last sort of two months with people just around the world, just really cool people, just through LinkedIn, meet them, talk to them, see what's going on, talk about stuff and things. And it's the most coolest community I've ever been involved in or come across there is a collective energy of excitement that is very very like tangible and i'm excited to be on this wave with so many cool people and yeah you know we've got our first charity partners that are also very obviously i, I would divide charities at the moment into three different categories there are charities who are like there are charities who are like super keen love the idea let's give it a go and then there are charities that are like super keen, but we have got a lot of boxes to tick. So this is going to take some time. Those are the three categories. And so for me, when I talk about 
um, our vision statement being solutions in our time. And the reason that I've decided to not just limit ourselves to just charities, but instead have an umbrella term impact partners. And then within that include charities, but also include DAOs and also include for-profit solutions in our time. People are wanting to solve problems. People are, are, are sick of hearing people talking. People want to solve problems like now, <laughs> you know, like now let's solve them kind of thing. Uh, let's not wait. Why are we waiting? Why are we, why are we messing around still? Like let's solve some stuff. Um, and so this is, this is gift tree in a nutshell. Like, well, it's quite a loud nutshell, but it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> this is gift tree. That's fantastic. And thank you so much for sharing as well. I, I mean, certain aspects of your story resonate with me. I've struggled with depression myself um, to varying degrees from like your, your standard kind of seasonal affective disorder right the way through until putting all of the necessary supplies into my shopping basket on Amazon or the equivalent of Amazon and then hovering over the order button knowing that that is a <laughs> that is a one-time click that doesn't you can't take that one back so i thank you so much for sharing i really appreciate that and also congratulations on your 20 months as well that's a massive achievement thanks thank you uh, i'm hoping to go back to kyoto japan for my on april 10th and it'll be my sober milestone as well funnily enough so i'll hope fingers crossed fingers crossed the world has calmed down enough by that point to, to facilitate that <laughs> awesome yep. so in terms of then your your vision then for for give tree you've got these impact partners um that you're selecting um you're going to be there to help facilitate the the problem solving that the people as you rightly say that people want now that people don't want to wait for what is your vision for GiveTree going forward like where do you see it in the next 12 months um three years five years where do you see it going well we have uh, built the nft marketplace and marketplace as a multi-chain blockchain agnostic marketplace so you'll be able to choose from different types of blockchains depending on your preference um that's one thing i just want to sort of communicate with everyone um, and then, so what we've done as well is we've actually, we've also a virtual gaming world in Unreal Engine. And so actually we've got the NFT marketplace and then we've got the virtual gaming world. And so what our plan is to do is to link the sum of the NFTs will link to actually have in-game outcomes for some of the NFTs. So the plan is to slowly start building out um, the NFT marketplace, but also start building out the Unreal Engine, um, GiveTree, virtual. Well, we've got some cool partnerships. Uh, I think we're going to be working closely probably with the readyplayer.me guys. Um, and so there's a few other very exciting partnerships as well. Um, I can't talk about those just yet, but I will, if we do another podcast in about a month or two, I, I will definitely talk about them awesome. then. Uh, definitely do another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's some exciting stuff. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And I, I think that the the integration of multiple aspects of Web3 technology um, is a really important thing going forward. I mean, you see um, if you are wedded to one chain, say Ethereum, um, <laughs> because it's the one that everyone loves to talk about for right or wrong reasons, um, there is obviously a massive cost associated with engaging with that ecosystem. Um, and by 
choosing to to use that chain or exclusively using that chain on the one hand you have access to a guaranteed liquidity pool because ethereum is where the liquidity is at the moment but on the other hand you exclude a lot of the newer users and the newer entrants into the space because they don't necessarily have the same level of capital available to them to engage with these protocols with these projects in in a meaningful way so i'm very excited to hear that you're going multi-chain as well i think that multi-chain is is definitely going to end up being the future um because it has to be I mean, otherwise we end up just building more of the same kind of walled gardens where you end up with people kind of playing in their respective sandboxes and not wanting to interact with any, with with the others, with the people elsewhere. And I think that like we can move past that. We have the potential to move past that. Yeah, Satoshi taught us better. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We're getting all philosophical now. <laughs> So in terms of in terms of governance then, how are you how is GiveTree being governed? Like are you are you taking like a, a central a say centralized approach at the moment to to a degree? Um, is there is there a plan to move away from that approach? Um, how what does that look like at the moment? Yeah, is we've set up GiveTree in Australia with a traditional PTY LTD, so a traditional company set up. And then what the plan is to do in February and March is we're doing a crowdfund campaign. And what that's going to enable is thousands of people to actually become shareholders in GiveTree. Um, so if you want to own a part of GiveTree in February and March, you're going to have that opportunity to be an owner of GiveTree. Um, now, then what we want to do is we are working towards a community exit in the future, and we are working towards goals like becoming an open source project and that sort of thing. Um, I know that some people will be curious if we can do a DAO. Um, look, we're looking at DAOs. I'm not in a rush to do a DAO. I, I see DAOs possibly functioning quite effectively for specific projects, for specific scenarios. I'm not, I'm not in a rush to do a DAO, basically, because I think there's more work to be done exploring exactly how to set those up properly. Um, but look, I'm my inbox is always open and dm is always open on linkedin so if you have i'm i'm very much exploring the dow space so if you've got lots of good advice or any learning materials please please send my way yeah yeah for sure i i, I agree i mean i think DAOs, and i mean that's the, the purpose of this podcast is exploring um ideas around DAOs. and DAOs are a, an amazing idea um and they've been shown to be quite powerful um in certain use cases but as you rightly say at the moment there is a lot of work that still needs to be done um and there is a lot of exploration that still needs to be done around what does a true dao actually look like and when i say a true dao i mean like like a proper like autonomous organization as opposed to like a an, an some random olympus fork or um, some random generative art NFT project, which is running out of like losing their user base, so they say that they're a DAO now to try and capture a little bit more attention. I think there's there is a lot more work that needs to be done around what does one actually end up looking like. Yeah, I I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, sure. So, what do you think that looks like? Then? Let's 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 go down this rabbit hole. What do you think that? a DAO could, should, or would look like? If you were to to look into the essence of what a DAO could be, what would that be? Well, I mean, for example, um, you know, coming from the background that I explained earlier with my experiences 
first-hand lived experience with homelessness here in Sydney. Um, a few weeks ago, I went to the Sydney Startup Hub, which is the largest startup space in the Southern Hemisphere. It's like 17,000 square meters of floor space. A few of those floors are leased by a group called Fishburners, who's a Sydney-based technology startup hub. And they ran an event. They ran their first ever social impact pitch night. And what I pitched at the first ever social impact pitch night was how to solve Sydney's homelessness problem by 2030. And it was how to actually solve it, like completely solve it. And if anyone's interested, hit me up afterwards and I'll send you the video. Um, and it explains it in just a few simple steps. Um, I think it's about, if you want to do a DAO, it's about creating a product roadmap to a specific outcome, to a specific solution. So that pitch, there were a hundred people in the room and there were hundreds of people at home and they voted up the winner, People's Choice Award. It means that they thought this was a good idea. So I think you can look at that as pretty safely as validation that yes, if you propose a product roadmap that solves a problem, um, that people are going to be interested because yeah, people do want to solve problems, solutions in our time, <laughs> gift tree. <laughs> but basically, this is how I would be thinking about a DAO. How do you structure a DAO around a specific project such as this? This is what I think is interesting use case for a DAO. Yeah, having a clearly defined roadmap and having, an, having it be like, something that is value add as opposed to just something that you say is value add like is there some some actual value that is going to be delivered by adopting this structure as opposed to a more a more traditional structure and as you say like having a clearly defined problem and then a clearly defined route to solving that problem is a really important aspect of um well i mean business as a whole like not just web3 like any business solution or charity solution or whatever it's an incredibly important aspect and i think that in web3 especially and all of the associated technologies um thereafter there is a danger for projects to come in with an interesting idea initially to have a roadmap at the beginning but then through either no fault of their own or through just like changing market conditions that ends up being lost and they end up going a little bit more with like the trend what is like the prevailing trend so if you look back to the beginning of like may um may last year it was meme coins and the summer was nfts then late summer was solana and avax and then it's olympus forks and there's so many projects that kind of start off as one thing and then change into another and change into another and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with like pivoting because a pivot can be useful but if you're pivoting off of your pivot and you're continuing to like, have to do that over and over again because you're getting lost because you don't have that clearly defined like roadmap you don't have that clearly defined problem then yeah for sure and i think DAOs are kind of that at the moment they are the the hot topic that people are kind of jumping off of so i agree 100 percent with what you were saying and awesome what was the solution how did you solve the homelessness problem 
Uh, okay, well, there's, and there's also, I'll, I'll give another example in a second on DAO as well, because it, it, you can sort of expand beyond the product roadmap as well and just highlight some more issues with the DAO that I'm interested to see how people are solving them, because I'm not sure, I haven't seen any DAOs yet that are solving these problems that I'll, that I'll highlight, but I'm interested, if someone is, please send it to me so I can have a look, because um, I'm very interested. Um, but the, problem, the solution was, was a three-stage solution. So you have to think about how do you solve the immediate short-term how do you solve the midterm? And then how do you permanently solve the problem long-term? Okay, so the, the short-term solution, the immediate short-term solution was a direct sponsorship model. Okay, now that direct sponsorship model is being used successfully now through platforms in England and in America. And what we were proposing to do was potentially bring it to Sydney. And the direct sponsorship model has its it has its own set of problems. It is you've got to solve a whole bunch of problems with the direct sponsorship model. It is not just an easy oh yeah let's just give money straight to this person who's got substance abuse problem. There's things to consider when you're setting this up. Okay, so acknowledging that, but it is a solution, um, and it does work, and there is data to back that up. Um, okay, so then you go to the midterm solution is like okay so in Sydney in particular. Um, there's like let's say for example there's um roughly twenty-five thousand homeless roughly twenty-five thousand hotel rooms so even if you you know as, as i mentioned earlier in the conversation the the government's current solution is 28 days in a hotel room so let's say you filled every single one of the twenty-five thousand hotel rooms with a homeless person 100% capacity of homeless people. Let's just hypothetically say that because, yeah, hotels would agree to that, right? So, yeah, okay, let's say you did that. 10,000 people still left over kind of thing. So you don't have enough rooms. Okay, so who's going to build the rooms? And what are those rooms going to look like? Okay, so the long-term solution turns out, and by the way, it turns out the governments, they're fine with that solution. They're not going to build the rooms. They have no plans to build the rooms. Um, the, the charities they're not going to build the rooms. They're, they're getting money from the government. If they start doing this, it jeopardizes their funding from the government. These are the charities that are focused on homelessness. So they're not going to do it. I know this because I've spoken to them. They're not going to do it. Okay, so the, so the government's not doing it. They're not doing it. You don't have enough rooms. First principle problem, there's not enough rooms. So who's solving the, the room problem? Nobody. Okay, so, so your, your mid to long-term solution has to be thinking about how do we get more rooms? This is, this is what you have to solve. There's no point talking about the morality of giving somebody who's homeless money because you You worry about how they're making decisions after you give them a room and solve a whole bunch of other problems in parallel for them. Then you worry about the morality of giving them money. Anyway, uh, so the, the long-term yeah. solution was we worked with, um, we actually got agreement for a uh, um, one of Australia's best urban planning groups called Urbis um, to actually design a smart city, uh, a new smart city, which would have, okay, now before somebody thinks we're just going to take 35,000 roughly people and just plonk them in the middle of nowhere, this is not going to happen. This is not the plan. The, the proposed solution was a housing first model with like a five or 10 to one ratio of healthy people to non-healthy people. So you've got service providers you've got just normal everyday people this sort of thing it's it was all about creating thinking about design of an urban urban design in a new way um and using a housing first model and guess what as it turns out housing first models exist here in sydney already on a very small scale and guess what they're successful and the only reason that they aren't existing on a large scale to solve the problem for good 
is because nobody wants to pay for it. So it's literally just a money problem. It's not even just like the, the designs exist and there's just a money problem. So now it's just a funding problem. Okay, so now what we're talking about is what I mentioned earlier, the organization and redistribution of our resources more efficiently. Yeah, yeah, that's, it. that's exactly it. Yeah, and that's it, okay. full circle. We've gone back to the impact partners. <laughs> like, there's a great book, Internet of Money, chapter 8.5, roughly five minutes in. They will give you a good example of a DAO, okay? So what would a DAO look like for charity, a charity DAO? What would that look like? So let's say it's like, You've got this, this AI and it, it scours, the, scours the social feeds. And when it sees an emergency in a country, it flags that and it distributes the funds automatically through a smart contract. Great. Who's it distributing it to? Have you got impact partners in that country? Who's organized that? Yeah. Did the, the smart there? contract organize that? <laughs> so the problem that I've seen come up with DAOs is like, there's no leadership. Like people are like, oh yeah, let's all earn equally and we'll leave it after this one. Okay. It's a wonderful who's idea doing, principle. Uh, <laughs> who's, who's doing things? Who is doing everything? Like this is not how hierarchies have ever worked, ever. So who is doing things that need to be done? And everyone's just like looking at each other like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's not doing anything yet. So the smart contract functioned exactly as intended and the money ended up wherever the money ended up. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done on DAOs, i think but exciting work like i'm all for it i'm not against it i'm all for it i just think yeah. there's lots to be done and please yeah. like honestly like i'm i i am a noob at this as well self-acknowledged noob so if you are like more across this stuff than me just please send me the info yeah i'm keen to learn yeah. No, for sure. And that same goes to me. Anyone listening to this who feels as though they know more than the both of us in this conversation, please do get in touch. I will happily share any resources because there is so much potential in this space. Uh, and I'm, when I say this space, I mean like specifically DAOs. But if you just if you scale that up to Web3 as a whole, as um, as Sam rightly said, like the, the we have the potential to solve some of the the biggest problems um, in fundamentally different ways and fundamentally new ways that have never been possible before. So be that in the form of like charity funding, like a fundamentally new way of generating revenue, a fundamentally new way of soliciting donations, a fundamentally new way of securing income. It's just, it's a totally different way of doing things. And that's what I'm most excited about with all of this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Get Absolutely. Get off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Um, I think it is exciting. And I am, I am very, very excited for the future that this Web3 is, is sort of, I think, it's, I think it's inspiring a lot of hope for people. Because I think that people were sort of feeling a bit suppressed and a bit hopeless from the, the, the old traditional ways of doing things. I think the Monopoly game was over for a lot of people and uh, it wasn't very Yeah, I agree. And that brings me quite nicely, I think, into my last question. Um, this is a question that I like to ask everybody that I have on here, and we're going to be going straight into the philosophical side of things. Um, what is the impact that you would like to see DAOs have on the world? Well, I think 
I think the impact is solutions, right? I would like to see more actual solutions, like not just temporary patches. Like, yes, the immediate short-term stuff is critically important because it alleviates unnecessary pain and suffering. Of course, it's important, but it's like, who is actually solving the problems for good? And then it becomes a question, well, where are these problems coming from? And they always link back to broken money. Almost always they're linking back to broken money. So you have to solve the broken money, which is actually, I think, a great, you know, pe people, I think, I think GBI is your, your organization, Global Blockchain Initiative. I, I feel like they're taking a good approach toward helping to solve that problem with this education piece for people in Web3 technologies like blockchain. I really feel like that is actually one of the first steps is just this education piece around what is this Web3 technologies. And so in that way, I think Global Blockchain Initiative, GBI, what you're doing with that is actually incredible. <laughs> Keen to be a part of it, super excited. Appreciate that. Thank you for the plug. Yeah, I think if you've got like all of these people around the world who are going to start opting into Web3 and blockchain and crypto and NFT and avatars and virtual world, gaming worlds and all this stuff, they're gonna start opting in more and more and more and more and moving away from the old traditional stuff. It's going to be a brave new world, uh, and it might even be the brave web. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting new world. That's uh, fantastic, and I agree one hundred percent. I think it's going to be nothing if not exciting. Yeah, well, there you go. I agree. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you ever so much, Sam. This has been super cool. Um, thank you so much again for sharing your story um and i i really i wish you all of the best with everything that you're doing with GiveTree. i think it's it's fantastic that to see people leveraging the potential that this technology has for um purposes that are not purely selfish and i'm i wholeheartedly support you in what you're doing here so if there's anything that i can do to help let me know thank you i'm excited yeah thank you very much and, and back at you as well my friend beautiful and thank you very much everyone for listening um i hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as i have because this has been awesome <laughs> that was the daustronaut podcast thank you very much for joining me on this exciting voyage through the uncharted territories of the blockchain universe please do make sure that you hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are choosing to listen today that way you are guaranteed to keep your seat on the fastest rocket into the decentralized future once again, do remember to disembark the vessel safely and that nothing said on this podcast is financial advice. With that said, I hope you have enjoyed joining me on this quest and I will catch you next time.